Welcome to Kingsway International Christian Center Tirona, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. You will need to grow up as an adult to discover that that thing does not exist. Praise God. The way we've taught purpose many times, you just have to go seeking for it. The one that has been committed to your hand suffers. You are going around, God, my purpose, my purpose, my purpose. And he's saying, this is, this is where you have to start. Start here. Praise God. And let me tell you what God has in store for you. It is better than what you have in store for yourself. Did you hear that? I know your plan is nice and good. You are creative, yes. But compared to what God has in store for you, your plans are like grasshoppers. Let me borrow the, 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 the terminology of those unbelieving Israelites. Your, your plans are small to the big things God has in store for you. Even I cannot describe it. Hello? And then we we'll come to fulfillment, which is where we are today. Praise God. Fulfillment. What does it mean to be fulfilled? What does it mean to live a fulfilled life? Let's go through some scriptures. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 31. John chapter 4, verse 31. John chapter 4 and verse 31. It says, I'm going to read 31 to 34. It says, he who comes from above. Let me read it in another version. John chapter 4, 31. It says, I think I was reading another one. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Are you there? Or do you want us to wait for you? Okay. So that's the right scripture. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34, Jesus speaking. He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to do what? Finish his work. Is that in your Bible? I want us to read 34 again. It says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who has what? Sent me and to finish his work. So many times when we recite the scripture, we have a tendency to forget the important part or point Jesus was trying to make. He said, what brings me satisfaction? Now, the concept of food, the concept of food is that it's supposed to bring you, how many of you have eaten before and you felt hungrier? Hello? How many people have felt like that before? You, you, it just feels like you wasted calories. Like, I shouldn't have eaten this. I'm not happy I ate this. You might sometimes, it's a craving. Oh, I feel like I just need to, and you just go to one store. Maybe you're like, oh, they have this thing, let's try it. Especially when you feel like having something from back home. Just feel like maybe you want to have pepper soup. Or you just feel like having jollof. And you're like, oh, this person, and you, when you are done with it, you're like, what did I just do? I drove, I drove all you so just to come and have this. No, 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 I shouldn't have done this. Praise God. So there is a form of satisfaction that comes from food, especially when you are hungry. But Jesus here, his disciples expecting him to need food to derive that satisfaction. They just saw that the guy wasn't hungry anymore. They thought someone had brought him food. And he said that my food, my meat, 
is to do the will of the Father, to do the work of the Father. And many, many times we stop there, but Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, it is not just important for me to do the will of the Father. However, it is even of equal importance that I should not just do the work, but to do what? Finish it. Somebody say, finish it. Are you still with me this morning? How many of us know people who started but didn't finish? People who started in the faith, but they didn't finish. People who went far, did exploit. You hear them when they speak. A lot of their testimonies are in past tense. Oh, those days when we were on campus, we won one million souls for Jesus. Ah, then I would go around speaking in tongues every day for one hour. I didn't miss a day. I did it for 10 years. Okay, great. What are you doing now? Are you still with me this morning? So, it is not just enough for us to start or to do the work. We must finish it. Tap your neighbor say, finish it. Say, finish it. Our father is a starter and a completer. He is an author and finisher. He is a beginning and ending. Therefore, we must finish the work. Somebody say, finish the work. John chapter 12. We'll read a couple of scriptures and then we'll just um, go over some thoughts. John chapter 12. Verse 23, John chapter 12 and verse 23. John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I'm going to read that again. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Is that in your Bible? What Jesus called glory was literally his passing away. It was a painful, difficult period for him and for the world. The Son of Man finally was going into the period where prophecies of centuries before were about to be fulfilled. It was a painful, difficult moment, but Jesus Christ considered it to be glory. Are you with me this morning? And he says that, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. There is a huge, huge, huge point here about fulfillment. Fulfillment is the point where you can check a box and say, done. Jesus Christ is saying here that there is a way that a kernel can exist. That it is only useful to itself. There is another dimension that a kernel can exist, that it is useful to many, and then it even reproduces more than itself. However, the difference between the first state and the second state is that there needs to be a dying process. I need you to follow me. There needs to be a dying, it means, it means, you know we're saying this, I think one of the days we're praying. That, I was discussing this with my wife. That scripture that says that godliness with contentment is great gain. 
All right? Many people have read that scripture, and the only revelation they have gotten from it is a biblical permission to be small, a biblical permission to be lazy, a biblical permission not to do everything God has asked them to do. Let me tell you, if there's any person in the world that can perform excellently well at multiple tasks, it is the child of God. There are many people who believe that they are the grace of God upon their life and their Christianity is just to become born again, come to church, go back home, die, and go to heaven. Of course, you will go to heaven, but that will be a wasted life. It is high time as Christians we stop measuring our success by whether or not we are going to heaven. You will go to heaven and it will even be by your doing. Hello? God has, see, none of us deserves to get in there. The best of us do not have an entry pass. The only people who are getting there, me, and all of us coming with me, praise God, we are entering there by virtue of his grace. The reason why you didn't die the day you gave your life to Christ is because God is not bothered about heaven, about you making heaven. If he was bothered, his love for you will kill you the moment you became born again. Because then even you will agree that you are definitely going to heaven. Are you still with me this morning? But he didn't do that. He's kept you around. Meaning that the reason why he's keeping you around can't be for you to further qualify for heaven. The reason why he's keeping you around is because there is work to be done here. Are you still with me? And there are two ways that work can be done. You can choose either to live for yourself or you can choose to live for God. And the proof of living for God is by being a blessing to humanity. The kernel of wheat will remain alone. Godliness with contentment is great gain, yes. But how do we define contentment? How do you, how do you come to the point where you say, I have enough? Question. How do, you, how do you determine that I have enough? You can pay your rent. Is that your definition of enough? You can send your kids to school. Is that the definition of enough? You've paid off your mortgage. Is that the definition of enough? You have investments for your family. Is that the definition of enough? You have educational funds set up for them. Is that the definition of enough? You have enough wealth for your children's children. Is that the definition of enough? No! We rebuke that definition of enough. Let me tell you what contentment is. Let me tell you what enough is. Enough is having all sufficiency to be able to do every good work that you need to do. To be able to be a blessing to every life that you need to be a blessing to. That is when you can say, I have enough. Are you still with me this morning? So your definition of having enough is not because your bills can be paid, you have a good credit score. No, it is that the people connected to you, you are not telling them, I will get back to you. You are not saying pray for us. You are not saying things are funny right now. You are saying, what do you need? Thank God for provision. Send me your details. Let's sort this thing out now. Let's start that fund. Let's get people going to school. Let's get people getting trained in the word of God. Let's get the gospel to multiple campuses. Let's do a crusade, citywide, nationwide. Let's do a parade. Let's paint this town for Jesus. That is enough. So we are not yet at the point of contentment. There's work to be done. But this seed has a choice to make. This seed has a choice to make. Will it make that painful decision to die? So that it can do more. That death there is not obviously talking about you dying physically. It's talking about a complete cutting 
of life to the flesh. A complete destruction of drawing your sense of fulfillment from what you have achieved for yourself. If all I am able to do is to feel my, feed myself and my family, there is nothing special. I'm a normal human being. I'm a responsible man. Are you still with me? But if as a seed, I can die to that fleshy goal that has been sold to us, go to school, get a job, buy a house, buy a car, feed yourself, take care of your family. If that is all, then I will have wasted the grace of God upon my life. It will have been a big waste because I was not made for me. I was not made just for my family. I was made to be a blessing to the world. Praise God. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 20 to 26 very quickly. Philippians chapter 1, 20 to 26. It says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. 21. It says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 22. If I am going on living in the body, can you see that this guy knows what he's saying? Hello? Do you know the truth is we, we really never die? It's just either you are living in the body or you are living in another existence. And that existence is going to have a place. Everybody is going to live forever. Hello. Everybody, as far as you've been born, you are living forever. The question is forever where? If I am going on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Hello? Is that in your body? Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. Jeez, are you seeing these things? This is a man talking. This is a man who... Physically speaking, the emperor could have just made a rule that all prisoners in chains that have been there for so long, execution. He knew that possibility. However, he's saying here that the decision of whether I live now or later is not in the hand of the emperor. It's not in the hand of the legal system. It's not in the hand of natural disasters. It is in my hand. Are you seeing this? Let's go on. It says, convinced of this. Somebody say, convinced. I know that I will remain. I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Can you, can you see what he's saying here? He's saying that I am not in a hurry to meet Christ. I know that is the best for me, but there is work to be done here. Now, I, I see something here. I see here that for the child of God, you really do not have a fear of death. Hello? For the child of God, you have 
You have no room for the. And I know the devil plays pranks on us. Sometimes you feel something in your body. Sometimes it might be something as small as a common cold. As small as a co- All your sinuses are blocked. Your body is like, if you break egg on your body, it will literally fry. You're so hot. And you're saying, God, what is going on here? This cannot be me. I can't be this sick. And the devil just says, it's time. It's time. Tap your neighbor and say, it's not your time. We have no fear of death. Because there is work to be done. And we will do what? We will what? Finish it. We will finish it. And we will finish it well. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say glory to God. We will finish it well. There is work to be done. This fulfillment, satisfaction thing, we will hear it from our Father. Paul is saying there is work to be done here. It is better for me to be with Christ, but it is more useful. So the guy was literally saying that I am choosing when to go. When I'm done, I will know. The question for a lot of us is, have we started? Have we started? Have we started living life beyond being a seed that benefits ourselves? Or have we started living as that seed that dies to every responsibility to self and is now preoccupied with serving others? Praise God. Praise God. The same Paul speaking in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Can you see this? It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Now, this is the hallmark of fulfillment. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Praise God. Praise God. So we are not living until we are done. We are not living until we are done. But we need to get to work. We need to get to work. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? So what exactly is fulfillment? Fulfillment is that indescribable sense of accomplishing desired goals. Not doing something else. Desired goals. Doing what what you were supposed to be doing. Where you can sit back and look back and say, Father, thank you. Now, let me say this. The burden of this requires your faithfulness. It doesn't require the accuracy of your planning. Let me explain what I just just said. It means that your ability to arrive down the line at a point where you can look back and all you sincerely have to say is, I have no regrets. I have absolutely no regrets. I think it was Catherine Coleman that said towards the end of her life, she said that she was weeping and crying. She said, I, I wish I had started earlier. I wish I had started earlier. And I looked at and I looked at that and I said, You start, I, I was telling myself, you started at the at the right time. You did your part. You've you passed the baton. You've you passed it. Praise God. Don't allow, see. The devil drains energy from you by making you to worry about the things you cannot change. 
it drains your energy. You might not determine when you start. It is important for you to get started. And the point you are starting is the right time for you to start. Let me tell you, I heard this. I was having these thoughts. I saw two different men of God say the same thing. In the same week, I said this must be a confirmation of what God is saying. You are not powerful enough to change God's plans for your life. You are not, you are not gifted enough to mess it up. I know people have said things like, oh, you did this, you messed it. You are not that great. God's plan and purpose for your life will stand. All of those things that look like they are not meant to be part of the story, guess what? They are the very ingredients that God is using to write your story. That place you are now that you are not proud of, you feel you should be somewhere else, God is saying, no, I put you there. It is part of what I am doing with your life. Which is why we must not fall into the trap of not talking about the traps and the pits that God brought us out from. If God gave you victory out of depression, that is your testimony. So that people who are going through depression will know that God is a God that delivers from depression. Are you still with me? You don't just show up and say, I was made all by the stripes of Jesus. Made all from what? Are you still with me? Because God is using your story. Is using every part of your story to advance his own agenda. If God pulled you out from poverty, pulled you out from a broken home, pulled you out from a broken marriage, if God, whatever it is, let us call what God did what he did. Let's stop washing things up because sometimes some people just say, how can I stand in front of the church and tell the church that I had this issue? They won't believe it. No. Their belief is not what is important. It's the victory that you have that God has given you that is important. Praise God. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? So you can't spoil it. You can't scatter it. It is part of the story. It is part of the plan. And God is writing something beautiful with your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I've seen, I've seen some of it. God has shown me some things. And I'm happy. I'm happy. See, for you to be able to operate at a level of excitement and, and passion that I have, you must have seen something. I've seen something. Praise God. I've seen it. And I can't wait for those days to be here. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to share with us um, very quickly. I'm looking at our time. I'm going to share with us, someone did a study, someone who worked with terminal care people did a study and interviewed people who were in the last days to weeks of their lives. What were your biggest regrets? What were your biggest regrets? Ask them that question and the top five regrets that they had. Person wrote it down. I will just share the five with us and then we'll read one more scripture. And then we will, we will pray. Are you still with me? Now, God's plan for you as his child is for you to live a life that has no regrets. Did you hear that? A life that has absolutely no regrets. It means that what you should have regretted, it would have so turned it around that you will be grateful for it in retrospect. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It means fully well that now, I, I don't know if I should use this kind of example. It is, for, for example, it is a wild example, but it's just to show the fact that there is no limit 
out of his plan, you can plan to go. That his, his loving arms cannot draw you back. There's no limit. It's not the best example that a young lady should get pregnant outside of marriage. As a teenager, you are still living with your mom and you're already a mom. That is, that is not the right way to be a mom. All right? But it happens. And then the, the parents are just like, man, we failed. We failed as parents. We had just one job. We had one job. All right? Which is why a lot of us growing up, especially those with daughters, I'm sure your parents warned you, if a man should touch you, if a man should ever touch you, that's the last day you're sleeping in. We will disown you because you brought, <laughs> you brought shame to this family. Praise God. But you know, God is in the business of using children born out of, out of wedlock. He uses them. The person who had the child out of, uses her on top of it. He says all of your mess is like a competition. Like, mess it up more. I am able to use it. That's our God. He's drawing something. Some, have you seen people, artists, you know, what, when they start out with the drawing, it looks like they are making a mess. He says, what are you even doing? The page of your life now currently looks like that. I don't know about you. Let me speak for myself. It might look like, what is this? Like, are you not meant to be a talent? I, I'm sorry somebody I looked at God. Say, God, you know, this thing I'm asking for is not hard for you. <laughs> Have you had that kind of prayer before? Say, God, it's not actually difficult. You, you can speak a word now. You know, the way you told Jesus, say, speak the word. You'll be telling God, you can speak the word now, and I'll just feel perfect in my body. You know. So, you're almost guilting God into feeling that you are choosing not to do it. That's what you're telling God. And I don't know why. I don't understand why you're doing it. Sometimes it's pain you and pain you. You just vex. God, what is this? <laughs> Have you seen people vexing for God before? <laughs> Praise God. It's not, it's not the funnest thing to do. I can remember a lady, I think I've shared that story before. She lost her dad and life made no sense again. Absolutely made no sense. Said, God, what were you looking at? I prayed, we prayed, we fasted. And you just had to kill him? Why? You just had to kill him? Why? I just went on vexing and raking and raking. Praise God. Help your neighbor say, God is a master builder. He's a master artist. He can draw the most beautiful edifices out of the worst messes. Praise God. Somebody give the Lord a big shout. So say to yourself, I have no regrets. Everything, absolutely everything, is working out for my good. See, those things you are not proud of, those things you can't see outside, those things you can't say in public, God is using them to work out something for your good. Did you hear that? I'm not encouraging you. I'm not trying to motivate you. I'm only telling you what the word of God says. That it is working together. Somebody say together. It is mixing together. Individually, it might not make sense. Collectively, it is making sense. Because it is working together for your good. Praise God. So why are we going through this? We are learning what people wish they did earlier. Because we know that, see, see, God is bringing us into a season. I, I thought it was later. It is happening soon. It is happening sooner than planned. A season where your wheat becomes multiple seeds. That you are a shelter to nations. 
I don't know if you are hearing what I'm saying. I'm talking about you being a blessing to people that will never be able to see you to say thank you. Do you know that's an entirely different level? I'm talking about you starting things that will run for generations. And it is happening sooner than we thought. Hello? Some people are looking around that they've come again. All these pastors with their sweet, sweet mouth. There is sweet mouth and they're saying what God has showed you. And I knew it will always come, but it is happening sooner. It is happening sooner. Praise God. We have no regrets. But the number one regret that was documented here is what this, most of these people said. Number one, I wish I pursued. I just said pursued. Yeah. I wish I pursued my dreams and aspirations and not the life others expected of me. It means that some of them look back on their lives and they were like, this is not what I wanted. I did this for them. I did it for my parents. I did it for my friends. I did it. See, one of the ways you can enjoy true freedom is to get to the point where there is only one anchor for your life. There is only one driver at the seat. And it connects, everything is connected. It's connected to purpose. It's connected to identity. When you don't, especially identity, when you don't have that identity part figured out, the moment somebody or something shows up, your life now adjusts to please that person or to please that thing. The moment something else shows up, how many times are you going to adjust your life? Isn't it time that you allow God to be the driver? Now, how can we redress this? We are not living our lives to pursue our dreams. We are not living our lives to pursue our aspirations. We are not even living the life we want. We are living the life we want. It is no longer I that live it, but Christ that lives in me. The life I live, I love the way the Passion Translation puts that scripture. I think it's Galatians 1.20. Is it 20? 2.21? Let's go to it. If I don't have Passion here. 2.20? I don't have Passion here. What I have is NIV and Amplified. Please, if you can read it for me. Praise God. So I'm not even living for me. I'm not living for me. I'm living a second existence. It is Christ that is living through me now. So this one, we are not living to pursue any personal aspirations or dreams. We are living his life. And his life, see, many, many times when we say things like this, people say, does it mean I shouldn't have dreams? No, the life he has for you, those dreams are bigger than the dreams of the world. That's the fact. They are bigger than the dreams of your parents. They are bigger than the dreams of your friends. If only you will follow his own plan. Number two, they said, I wish I didn't work so hard at the expense of time with loved ones and family. Praise God. There was a time, I don't know if my wife can remember, it was shortly after our daughter's first child was born. And then, I can't remember, I just, I was, I was a favorite. 
The first, of course, the first name she called was Daddy, of course. Daddy, Daddy, where is God? So everything was Daddy. She just wanted Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. There was a time when I don't even, I can't remember what I was busy doing. I would just go, you know, busy, 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 busy. I just noticed that she would literally walk past me and go and meet her mom and ask for or help me do this. She might and then I was just like, man, you are already missing. Like, you are already missing. I had to, I had to reprioritize. I said, no, this is not God's plan for my life. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. A wife was having a conversation with her husband one day. I said, I'm tired of this. Next week, we are talking about wisdom for singles and married. I'm tired of this marriage. I'm tired. I felt marriage only in the first two years. Since then, I felt worse than even when I was single. I don't understand you. You say you love me, but I don't even see it. And the guy was shocked. He was genuinely heartbroken. He said, what do you mean? I've been better to you than most men. You know the way, the way they told Naomi that she's better to you than 10 sons. He almost said, I've been better to you than 10 husbands. She's like, I don't need 10 husbands. I just want my husband. He said, I don't see you. He said, I'm working hard to provide for you and the kids. She said, no. That's, we want you first. And then what you are able to provide. Hello. Hello. Praise God. Every dream that separates your family from the fulfillment of that thing, God's hand is not in it. Did you hear that? Hello. Someone is saying, Pastor, you can't say that. I can say so. I can't. You will just grow up and your children will just know you as a checkbook, not as daddy. The one they go to for stuff, not the father to confide in. Are you telling them stories? Are you sharing experiences with them? You just sit them down. Sometimes there's just so much to do. Couple the activity. Do it with them. Hello. Number three. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings and to speak my mind. Hmm. Praise God. Praise God. You know, sometimes you just want to give pay. I don't know if I say this on the pulpit. Some people will soon come and warn me. You know, people listen to our messages. <laughs> they soon come and warn me. All right. But what I want to say, please take it as a complete joke. All right. I don't mean it. Sometimes you 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 just feel like giving people alcohol, plenty of alcohol. Let them drink it and say what is really on their mind. You will be shocked. Praise God. The thoughts we think about sometimes, your thoughts shock you yourself. That what? Did you just think that? How could you have thought that? Many people live life not being able to say the things they really, really want to say. Such environment, see. The number one test of a toxic environment is a place where you can express your true feelings. Guess what? Many, many years, that was reserved only to the workplace. It was reserved to the workplace because there were terrible leaders who knew that you just had to stay. You need the paycheck at the end of the month, so you must stay. You will cope with this mess and you will deal with it. But guess what? It's coming into the church now. Authoritarian leadership in the church and you wonder, who is your example? Jesus wasn't like that. You are in church, they're asking for suggestions. You can't even say what you think. Because you know as you are saying it is 
The response is fire. Say, Pastor, I feel the speaker is too close to. Can we just move this? I, I don't take my instructions from you. God gives me the instruction. If God wants us to move the speaker, God will tell me to move the speaker. That's the end. That person is not giving suggestion again. They are not. Praise God. We need to fight that toxicity by creating safe spaces where people can say their truth. Where somebody can say, you know, there are people where you, you are literally seeing, like the way I'm preaching now, there might be something on my head, all right? But you won't be able to tell me because you know that I might just devour you in the process. We, we cannot talk to you before. Let God tell you. <laughs> Let God tell you there's something on your head. Praise God. And among couples, to learn to be open, speak your mind to one another. Don't hide it. If there's one person, for those who are married, if there's one person you can expose, if there's somebody that should know all these, you shouldn't have skeletons in your cupboard. But per adventure, you have skeleton. Bring it out. Open the cupboard. Talk to your spouse. You say, guess what? Say what? How many years have we been married for? We've been married for 20 years. I'm sorry I never told you this. And please, when they're opening up to you, you too, I'll accept the open. Don't now start saying, ah! <laughs> After, I'm, why am I just knowing this? It was difficult to get to the point of saying it. Don't crucify them. Praise God. Praise God. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Number four. See, I keep on saying it. In this age and time, if you have friends, you are blessed. What people have is situationships, not relationships. Situationships. Just see, a friend is some, see, the way we gather together and pray, and you can open your mouth and say, I have this prayer point, pray with me. There are places they are in their throngs. They can't even say, this is my issue, pray with me. Why? Everybody has created a false image of themselves. So you can't even say, you can't say, pray with me, I'm looking for a job. Because your suit is the most expensive. You've, you've maxed out your credit card just to look rich. So we can't believe you need a job. What do you mean? Pray for, they'll first open their eyes. Who, who needs the job? You? So you're not even working. <laughs> Praise God. If you have a friend, you are blessed. Let me tell you how you know your friends. And you need to know it because, you know, I told you, those days are coming. Those days are here. A lot of people that will be around you when that season comes, not all of them are your friends. Some of them are just there for benefits. And there's nothing wrong with benefits. It just means that you should deal with them accordingly. Hello. When David was dying, you know what he did? Called his son Solomon. He said, my son, come. He started running step by step. See this one? She married. When I was dethroned by your brother, when I left town, this is what he did to me. He didn't say anything to Solomon. He said, God will give you the wisdom to know what to do. <laughs> so when I was in my moment of pain, this person was there for me. You know you know those who were there for you. You know them. Those are your friends. Which is why we must count it all joy. Because it is an opportunity for you to know who your real friends are. When you are in those tight situations, the way people disappear, you'll be shocked. You think they are practicing for a rapture. They just disappear. Their phone, nothing works. They are just not there. 
they just boom. They didn't even say, you're not going to see us again. They just boom. They're like, wow. Don't see, don't take offense. It is information. It means that I now know who you are to me. And it's fine. When God blesses me and you show up, I am blessed to be a blessing to you. But I just know who you are. Praise God. I, I really thought we were going to finish early today. But it looks like we are finishing at our usual time. Number five, I wish I had let myself be happier. And that was like the biggest regret. Tell your neighbor, happiness is a choice. Turn to your neighbor, other neighbor, say, with where you are and with what you have, you can choose to be happy now. They, they didn't believe you. Look for someone else. Say, with where you are and with what you have, you can choose to be happy now. Praise God. Do not delegate your happiness to things. Things won't last. They won't last. Nothing will last. Nothing. Your cars, they will soon become obsolete. Once upon a time, the big men were those who drove V-boots. Today, they are no V-boots. What we consider to be the most stylish cars today in a matter of years, anybody and everybody might be able to have it. You must not attach or derive happiness from the things you have. A man's life consists not in the abundance of the things that he has. Your happiness must not be from anything. Yes, you just got a new phone. Yeah, it makes you happy. You move to a better house. Yes, those are, those are tools that allow you to live life better, to impact your world better. Are you still with me? My happiness is not from anything, anybody. I know your team won the championship. Amen. Praise God. And it's not every day. We don't know when next Raptors will win this thing. So this one, <laughs> let's, better, let's rejoice. Even people who don't know what Raptors is like, go Raptors, go Raptors. Praise God. Learn to be happy. It is a choice. Hello. Like we said last week, happiness is temporary joy, right? And joy is permanent happiness. You can be happy every day. See, if you can just cool down, calm down, relax, you will find things to be happy about. Should I tell you the secret to enjoying real happiness that pleases God? Because the way we've taught ourselves to show gratitude in the church, I don't believe it pleases God. Hello? Let me just say this and wrap up. Many times people will say, Think about the situation of other people. And then when you think about other people, you now finally be happy with yourself. That, okay, let me even be happy. Let me thank God. We say things like, there are people in the hospital. There are people who died this morning, but you're alive and you're standing. Therefore, thank God. Ah, yeah, thank God. But I don't think that's good reason to thank God. Hello? Hello? It's not a bad reason. You know what? It's actually a bad reason. Yeah, let's just say it. It's a bad reason. It's a bad reason. You shouldn't need to look at any other person to be grateful. Did you hear that? You shouldn't need to. You don't need anybody's predicament to feel a sense of belonging. You don't need anybody to be like, oh, they don't have food to eat. At least I have. No, I am grateful because the one who holds tomorrow, the one who knows tomorrow is my father. Therefore, oh, today is Father's Day. 
Happy Father's Day, daddies and men and young men. Happy Father's Day. It's like me. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. So can we find things to be genuinely grateful for? Can you, can you look for seven things that doesn't involve anybody? That doesn't involve people in hospital, people with red credit scores, people that are jobless, people without food. Just you facing God. I am saying, God, I am grateful for this. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm married to the most amazing woman in the world. Father, I'm grateful. Did I look at any other person's wife? Did I say their own wife is not amazing? I did. I'm facing God. And I'm grateful for my own wife. Hello. Father, thank you for our church. Thank you because in so short a time, you have increased us greatly. Not only are we greatly increased in numbers, but the people are deeply rooted in love. I am grateful. Am I looking at another church? Am I looking at another ministry? It is me and my God. Father, thank you for my health. Thank you because I'm, I'm just burning cages like oxygen. Woo! Praise God. Yeah, that sounded proud to some people. Just live with it. <laughs> am, am I looking at any other person that is gaining weight? I'm not. It is me and my God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There is nobody here that God created you just to live for yourself. If you are here, you are in the wrong church. The mandate God give us, gave us, oh my, the mandate God gave us is to raise champions and to take territories. We'll be talking about that in July. None of us here is here to live for ourselves. Let me tell you something. That's your bank account that you are protecting so dearly. Very soon, God will put so much in it and he will convince you that it is not just for you. Did you hear that? Not see if you if your desire is to live for yourself, you are in the wrong church. You have my permission today to change church. The father, I say father, not father. I'm not your father. <laughs> he said, Pastor, what you said last week touched my heart. This can't be my church. You know what? Me, I just want to be fine. I want my children to be okay, my wife to be okay. My husband's to be okay. My parents, ah, I want to spoil my parents. After that, I'm done. If that is your own goal, you're in the wrong church. But if indeed God has brought you to this mandate, where we have a special function to raise champions and to take territories, we are not going to live for ourselves. See, God has told me in this church, we will sow seeds to other ministries that are not even KICC. And we will strengthen them to do the work of the ministry. Did you hear that? We will do it. Praise God. Rise on your feet and just wave your hands to heaven. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you because I will hear those two words. Well done. Thank you because I will do all that you have asked me to do. I shall be all that you said. Lord, I believe. 